And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a gloomy Monday morning on the East Coast. I don't think I've seen the sunshine in like nine days at 4.30 p.m. every day. It feels like it's midnight. I need some sun, but, but on the bright side, we're almost halfway through the NBA season, which means it's time to talk about All-Stars and to help me make my first pass through the 12-man rosters, not 15-man, not 18-man. So if you're going to yell at me, just remember, you only get 12. You don't get these mulligans that you all think we get. We only get 12. To to help me go through it, uh, from Sports Illustrated, the author of the upcoming book, Blood in the Garden, about the 1990s Knicks, which all of you are going to love, the one and only Chris Herring. How are you? Um, I'm doing really well, man. Happy New Year to you. How are you? I'm good. Any New Year's resolutions in the uh, Herring household? Man, I, I'm, I'm the the one that I think so many people have. Where they're like, man, I'm gonna get better about just uh, working out, just taking care of myself. I feel like I've got no excuses now that the book is out of the way. Now that Michigan football is over, and I don't have my Saturdays clogged. Um, that and watching some basketball and writing more about basketball. It didn't work out for Michigan, right? In the uh, in the uh, the B- BCS is that what it's called? The BCS, the playoffs. What well, I don't even know how college the sports CFP, work the college football playoff. It did not work out. Um, I had dinner plans with my girlfriend for New Year's Eve after the game, and so it was nice to just kind of roll into the next activity. But you know, they were expected to have like a seven, eight, maybe nine win season uh, coming in. They were unranked to start the season. You know, obviously the the. It's been a long trudge for them uh, just to beat Ohio State. So maybe it was a loser's mentality I went into the game with, but I was I was content no matter what happened. I didn't want that to happen and not in that fashion. Uh, what was it, five scores in a row that Georgia had? But um, I wasn't mad. It's weird. I wasn't mad. I'm just hopeful that it's the beginning of something and not the end. So maybe I can you live ca- with it. Maybe your loser's mentality cost them the game. Maybe the football gods – frowned upon your approach to the game and punishment. You know what Michigan will always have, though, Chris? You know what they'll always have? Those helmets, if nothing else. I probably, I'm guessing that's what you're going to say, no? The best fight song in college sports. Okay. Fight song, helmet. That, that's pretty. I feel like if we were doing Family Feud, those would have been like one and two on the list somewhere. The helmets and the fight song. Most people like one or the other, if not both. Family Feud. Top two, two of the best moments in all of game show history. J- not specific moments, but recurring moments. Number one, when the patriarch or matriarch of the family trying to steal ignores all the suggestions from their family members and goes out on a limb and gets it right and can look back at their families like, that's right. That's why I have the number one seat at the table, all right? Just remember that next time you want to mouth off, okay? And the other one... <laughs> Ray Combs, who's my choice for all-time best Family Feud host, although I have not really watched it in the last 10 years, so I cannot comment on recent hosts. If the first person on Fast Money won and got 200 on his or her own, they would sometimes play a trick on the second person, bring the second person out, and Ray Combs would improvise crazy, impossible questions to flummox the second person and then the, the second person would think i've let down my entire family i can't believe this and then they and anyway let's can we talk about nba all-stars please <laughs> i love game shows chris i love game shows i wouldn't i won't the fact ever that go you on, had a top two ready for that the, i won't you, like, ever knew go, what the top two things were it's just i won't ever fantastic. go on a game show i won't ever go on a game show where basketball could possibly come up because my life would be over if i missed a basketball question what's if you could pick mm. one game show to go on what would you pick 
You know what I would have picked, but I, I I worry now that I wouldn't be smart enough for it. Uh, just because I feel like I've, and I hate this, and it's funny because I I feel like the people that I enjoy most in the world, with the exception of maybe one friend, are people that I don't have to talk sports with because I feel like it puts you in this echo chamber where all you focus on is that. And I'm really interested in politics and in history. My dad was a sociology professor. My mom worked in healthcare. So I was really in a lot of different stuff. So who wants to be a millionaire is not like Jeopardy smart, but it's like kind of random knowledge smart. And I always really liked that show, but I worry now that I wouldn't be as good at it because I feel like I've fallen more into sports just from the book and and everything else that I've kind of had to lock into work-wise. But I know you're, you know, someone that obviously knows history and for me, that's always been really important too. So I, I really would have liked to have been on that show before, but now I thought Regis and I, I, is the show even on anymore? It's bad. I don't know that if it regularly records anymore. If there's a host, um, but I know they did come back at one point with with different. I think people. they come back for like special, like here it's back for a week. It's I don't but a celebrity maybe, I, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's the all that may be the all time badass game show moment is the first guy to ever win. I know. Winning a friend on the last clue just to tell his dad, I'm about to win a million dollars on national TV. It's a mic drop. You you can't beat that. And you got to be 125% sure you've got the right right answer to do that. I would, I, you could have, the question for that could be, Zach, what is your middle name? And I still wouldn't (laughs) be that cocky on national TV. Okay. All stars. Chris, you get 12 picks for all stars, five starters per conference. The starting lineup has to be two guards and three front court players, though the NBA has allowed for a little more positional leeway in recent years. And then seven reserves, where I just throw positions out the window because I think they've reached the point where the coaches who vote for the reserves can pretty much do whatever they want to get whoever they think deserves to be on there. So in the East, there are at least three locked in starters that we don't need to discuss Giannis, KD, and Embiid get the three front court spots in the Eastern Conference. There's no there's no reason to talk about that, right? I, I, I don't think so unless you're – I mean, I don't particularly care if these guys are going to be in the game one way or the other. I don't really care about a games played thing. And if, if not, then I think that as long as you're going to play a traditional center, I think that Embiid is there. I don't think you have to go that way necessarily. If you're someone that values wins um, – I don't think you had to go that way, but I think you could, and I'm not going to complain about it. And Embiid's been great this year. Well, it, it just depends who qualifies as a as a fellow quote front court player. But to me, sure. those, those guys are just no brainers. They're three that may are the three best players in the conference. It depends how James Harden is playing on any given day. Um, so that's three. We've got nine spots left, including both of our starting guards. Why don't we start there? Give me who you think should be the starting guards in the Eastern Conference. So if we're doing it this way, and this is why I was asking this, because I think, I think you have a, at least in this weekend is probably a good time to discuss it over the break, uh, the holiday break. I mean, I think DeRozan deserves one of those spots, and I think that if you had to, you could have said that he would be a front court guy, and I think that's why I was saying, how much do you value winning? How much do you value the end of game performance? Um, the, the way he's played this year. The narrative, which I, you know, I normally don't give too much of a damn about the narrative, but I think he's been deserving. I think if you had to pick between he and Levine, I think he'd be more deserving as a starter. I think he, you know, it probably has gone a little bit off script from what people were expecting. Sometimes you kind of expect the guy that 
when you've got a couple of star level scorers that are going to play together uh, for the first time, you kind of expect the guy that's already been on the team to kind of be the leader. And it kind of feels like it's been reversed. There have been some nights where Levine does that, but at least lately, um, it's been DeRozan. And really, DeRozan has been the guy all year as far as fourth quarter, getting to the line, keeping games close for them, and, and sometimes coming back at the end and winning. So I think he would be the one. Do you want me to give you the other, who I think is pretty clearly? Let's talk about DeMar for a second. I, I guess sure, you're please. right. I, I see what you're saying because he will I, – I guess he'll be listed. I'm assuming DeMar is going to be listed as a guard and a front court player. You Me definitely – I mean, he plays the four for them, so he should be a front court player. If you're going to argue he should start the game at front court over Embiid, whatever, to me, I don't care because I'm starting Embiid and I'm starting DeMar. DeMar is now penned after this weekend. My God. Yeah. After this yeah. weekend, <laughs> two back-to-back crazy buzzer beaters to win games, not just like tie games, to win games. Yeah. Um, he's He's penned in – as my fourth Eastern Conference All-Star starter. Finagle the positions all you want. He's in. And and to your point, if I've got to choose between him and Levine, and maybe I don't. Maybe I start both of them. I don't think I will. We can talk about that in a second. Jamar gets the nod because uh, I just think he's been a little bit better, a little bit more efficient, a little better as a playmaker. And by the numbers, the Demar plus bench lineups or the Demar plus Lonzo plus bench lineups are the ones that have really just drilled teams for the Bulls this year. So that's four starters that I think are pretty much barring something catastrophic happening in the next couple weeks are locked in, meaning we've got to choose another guard. Um, the candidates for this, in my opinion, are, well, I think there are actually quite a few of them, but I'll name I'll name up who I think the top remaining guards in the East are. Ready? Okay. Trey Young, James Harden, who people are going to scoff at and say, well, wait, didn't we spend the whole first month of the season saying what's wrong with James Harden? James Harden can't get to the line. James Harden, blah, 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 blah. The numbers are still what they are. He's a one-man offense, and in the last two weeks or whenever he came back from health and safety covenants, as Jeff Van Gundy would prefer they be called, he has been just roaring through the league. Zach Levine, aforementioned, and I'm going to throw a name at you that I think, and I wonder where you came down on this, Okay. When, I talk, when I talk about, well, I should say first Fred Van Vliet, who we'll talk about in a second, I'm sure. Okay. The name I'm going to mention that I haven't seen come up all that much that I think should be a lock to make the team right now. Like a stone cold lock. If you have nine locks, ten locks, however many of your 12 spots are locked right now, I think Drew Holiday should be one of them. I think Drew Holiday has had Interesting. an under the radar sensational season. He's at like 18 a game. I think he's at 50% shooting, 37% on threes, 55, I think, on twos. We know what he does on defense. I I just think he should be an all-star over Chris Middleton as the second buck. I think he's locked in. So those are my candidates for the last starting guard spot. To me, all of them are in. So I don't really care who you think of as a starter. So I have, as locked in, I've got Giannis, KD, Embiid, DeMar as four starters. Then Trey Harden is in, Levine is in, Drew Holiday is in. And I have a couple other guys that are in, but I don't think they should be a conversation for necessarily the starting spot. So I right now would give my last Eastern Conference guard starting spot to Trey Young. Despite Atlanta's struggles, what he does to carry an offense that absolutely collapses without him, his numbers are sensational. Defensively, he remains just 
Not very. Not, I'm, I'm in a good mood today because I'm in a positive mood. <laughs> I want to be a glass half full guy. I'll just say Trey Young remains not an elite defensive player in the NBA. So that's my that's my fifth starter. What say you? No, that's that's exactly the way I had it too. Um, I you know I I didn't try to get too cute with it. Um, I I think if we're talking about guys that have played really really well the last couple of weeks, you mentioned Harden. I mean Trey's been really 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 good. Um, despite what's been happening around him. Uh, he, like you said, he's not really generally helping the defense, which has been kind of in shambles uh, throughout most of the year. But, I mean, offensively, this is the best season he's had from an efficiency standpoint. Um, I think he's scored more than this before, but um, it, it's coming together for him in terms of the efficiency, which was something that he was knocked for before when he couldn't get to the line, just as far as the shooting statistics. And so um, from three... You know, he's been slightly above average, uh, despite we know the sorts of shots he's taking, which are more difficult than what most guards are taking. So uh, I, I don't have any qualms at all with taking him. I don't know that this should matter. It may come up in other conversations we're going to have on the pod. I also think for the sake of what we're talking about and just the amount of fun we'll have watching him in a role like this, um, I have no qualms with that either. Like the idea of having him there, Look, I don't mind if somebody takes Drew Holiday. I've, I've said for years Drew Holiday is one of my favorite players in the league to watch. For an All-Star game, I, I, I really don't mind and almost would probably prefer Trey Young to start an All-Star game, let alone the fact that he's having a good season, so great season. So I, I don't have any problem with Trey as the fifth guy, and that's who I would have picked. As, 27 um, as and a half guy. points, 9.4 assists, and his passing is just out, outrageously good. Sublime. For, for a player that size to be able to make – the cross court one handed with either hand kind of passes out of the pick and roll that that our passes normally are the the territory of six six and taller kind of players who can see over everybody it's just outrageous forty five percent from the field is a career high thirty seven percent from three is a career high um, the Hawks are disappointments uh, his defense is a part of why their defense is disappointing but uh, his offense is is just ridiculous he's one of the best offense players in the league he gets in. Um, so I've got, so that, uh, then we have the same five starters, Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, Giannis, KD, Embiid. That means we have seven reserves, seven reserve spots left to give out. I just told you that I have the following guys locked into those reserve spots. James Harden, Zach Levine, Drew Holiday. So that's three. I've only got four left. I'm throwing Jimmy Butler in. Yep, me too. No brainer. I know he's missed a bunch of games, but he's his numbers are just off the charts. Jimmy Butler's just one of the best players, period. I don't and this year of all years, like if you've if you've missed five to ten games, or I don't even care. This is you're in pretty right. much you're in. <laughs> so so that gives us that we're up to eight. We've got four spots left. Are we in agreement so far? Yeah. I, I think all the guys you've picked would be on my team so far. I think here's the other thing that's weird about mine. And maybe it shouldn't be this way. Maybe I shouldn't be admitting this on the pod. Uh-oh. I'm okay with certain people as long as we've got and, – and maybe you're not of this camp. There are certain guys that if you, if they're not on your team, you have to take another guy from that team as far as I'm concerned. Ooh. Um, there's There were at least two sets of guys, maybe three sets of guys that I've got like that here. Um, I don't know how you felt about that or if that's something that you generally kind of feel like you have to do. I know it's not baseball – where you're trying to make sure you've got one guy from every team 
But there were a lot of teams here that I kind of felt like I don't quite mind who you take, but you've got to take at least one of them. And there was one team I felt really, really strongly about Probably, in that so, so, so we've got, I, I believe, what do we have? Uh, nine so far if we've got the five starters plus Harden, Levine, Holiday, Butler. That's nine. Now, you may not have Drew Holiday. Is Drew Holiday not in for you? Holiday wasn't a lock for me, but the the reason I'm saying that is that I would prefer him, but I was going to take, like, if you have Middleton instead, okay, fine. But I think, first of all, I feel like they're the best team in the league. I would say that I don't, I'm not completely sure everybody would have two guys from. Um, I think with just about every other team, what do you have now? I guess six teams that have kind of separated themselves. Yeah, and so three far, in each conference. Even, even, even in our first nine, we have two Nets, two Bucks. Two bulls, mm-hmm. so six of right. six of the nine are accounted for from these teams. Right. So I'm I'm okay with that. I think that they're basically. But here's my thing, and this is what I was saying. There were four teams that I would say that I feel like there's a second guy that is is arguably deserving. Really five, but here's my thing. I don't think there's the Celtics certainly don't deserve two guys. Just the season they're having, but I think they have two guys that you could make an argument for. The other team I'll say that about is Cleveland, which probably sounds a little bit crazy. No, but, not crazy. I mean, not Cleveland crazy. has the best net rating in the conference. You have to look at three Cavaliers. Three Cleveland Cavaliers have a case you to do. make the All Star game. Three, right, right, um, and it, and with the game being there, I don't care. That's, I don't care. I don't. So care. you don't care about that. I'm I'm I'm, I'm a softy. I I. I'm thinking about it. I don't. It's not to say that you have to do it, but for me, you certainly got to have one guy on the team. I don't think you have to have two. But if I was in a situation where I'm like, well, if I wanted to get cute with it, I was considering other people. I'll put it that way. Other than Drew, even though again, I love Drew. The season that he's had, particularly in one where you know they've all been out of the lineup at one point or another, they're three key guys, and don't necessarily look that way because they've been rolling lately. Um, Drew Drew would be my pick. I would take two bucks, and I would probably take Drew over Middleton. So so we've got nine then going that way. We agree on Butler as well for the Heat. Mm-hmm. That gives us three spots to play okay. with. Three. That's it. That's all we got. Three. We don't have nine Charlotte Hornets yeah. fans. We don't have eight. Okay, that's it. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay, full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Here are some names that are in contention for three spots. 
Okay. You you just mentioned the Cavs. Uh, I would order their respective candidacies this way: Jared Allen, mm-hmm. Darius Garland, Evan Mobley. Same same way I have it. With that's already up to three. That's it. Mm-hmm. We, we're now full if we take all three Cavs, which we're not. I'm only going to take one Cav in the end. Same. Both the Celtics, Tatum and Brown. Brown scored 50 last night. Tatum has not shot that well this season, but his his uh, um, his scoring is obviously you know 25 a game. So that's where that's five guys. Perennial All Star Domantas Sabonis. That's six. You want to include Miles Turner to get fun? That's seven. No. <laughs> okay. No, you I just don't. crossed out. Uh, Lamelo Ball. <laughs> right. Chris Middleton. We're up right. to like 10 guys already, all of whom are very right. good players. Kyle Lowry, and if you want to talk about a team that maybe should get a look for a second All-Star, yeah, Miami. We have not even named perennial All-Star and almost neck-and-neck scoring champion Bradley Beal. I know. And, and what Miles, did he have yesterday, 16 assists or two yeah, days ago? Point, point Beal with all the injuries and virus right. and stuff. John Collins and Miles Bridges got a, a token look from me. They're, they're not going to make it. And then we mentioned him earlier. The advanced number, the raw numbers are getting good now. The advanced numbers for Fred Van Vliet are outrageous and above all of these guys. So just think about all those names I just said because you're going to have a lot of fans that are angry. Okay? The three Cavs, Tatum, Brown, Beal, Ball, Lowry. These are huge names. Okay? We only can pick three of them. I'll take right. the – I'm going to tell you right now – and these are not final picks for me. I'm not writing this column for two weeks. Right now on January 2nd in the year of our basketball gods 2022, my first two picks from this group for spots 10 and 11, Chris Herring, would be – and I do this with, with respect and trepidation, would be Fred Van Vliet and Jared Allen. What do you think? Well, Jared Allen was was my, my next pick. Um, again, maybe I'm focusing too much on the standings. Um, I'm not going to argue against Van Vliet. I mean, I've another guy that for me has been a favorite for years who plays both ends of the floor, who's been more efficient. You know, I think the knock on him for a couple of years now, if you knock him at all, for a guy that you know that made the league the way he did, has been the finishing. Um, has also been that he was playing alongside another All Star, and so maybe not getting as many opportunities or not to where he had to do it the way he's doing it now. But on a team where it's been very up and down, guys in and out of the lineup, Siakam still kind of getting back into rhythm. Some nights looking really good, some nights looking bad. Not a bad pick at all. A team that's been stronger. I remember when I podcasted with you to start the season that that was a team that. Um, I think a lot of people were kind of mixed on. And, yeah, if it's not for him and the way he's played, uh, I think that's a very different-looking team. And also they're starting to kind of hit a rhythm now and look a lot better. And a lot of that is because of him. So I'm not going to have many qualms with that. Um, you know, it, it's tough to leave certain guys off. But like you said, with all, the other guy I was thinking about was Cole Anthony just looking at him. I, I don't think he was Stop ever it. realistically going to make Stop the team. It. You can't – you cannot – look. He's I'm not going to be on the team. Cole Anthony is on my long list of what I'm right. feeling real generous. Uh, he's been great this year. He made he was in my 10 things column a couple weeks ago. He's one of the best rebounding little guys ever. You can't make the all-star team 
on a team trying to lose. You just you're out. You can't. They're, I don't even know what their record is. It's like six and thirty. Or it's something horrible. Like that. It's horrible. You, you so cannot, I, I understand you that. You got to average Wilt Chamberlain numbers to get in the conference. Like <laughs> the Pistons, you don't get a look. No, no, no. You're out. No, Cole Anthony. I'm sorry. I love Cole Anthony. You're not an All Star. Again, long list, like you said. I can't believe you throw- brought up Cole. Are you just bringing up Cole Anthony just to add him to my list? He he's not ahead of like these some of these no, other. No, no, no. He's not ahead of, of anybody word. on that okay. list. He's the last person on my list. But my my point is that um, why don't you bring it's up a Franz really tough Wagner. one. I'm surprised you're bringing up Franz Wagner as a Michigan guy. You you shouldn't be that surprised, uh, or you should be surprised because obviously I love that dude. He's been lights out lately. Um, no, I mean, so here I'm. I'm going with Allen. The the and again, this is maybe leaning too far in one direction. I think if you if you tell me that you want it a certain way, I'll go with Van Vliet. Lamelo is the guy that I think I could definitely see being on the team too. But I don't mind Van Vliet having been in the league longer. Van Vliet um, representing a team that I think maybe down the line will be more in that conversation than Charlotte will. When we get down the line, um, I don't know. Again, maybe because it's an all-star game, I'm like, man, watching LaMelo in an all-star game, I don't well, know. It shouldn't I, I've matter. St- I've still got one spot left. I've still got one spot left. So we both agree Allen gets in. Allen has yes. been sensational this year. Yep. He's averaging 17 and 12. He's, he's one of the best rim protectors in the league. And he's gotten better as a passer. He's gotten better as a post-up player. He's said, like, you watch when they – when they throw the ball to Mobley in the corner or Markin in the corner, he's smart about ducking in really aggressively for these quick post-ups. I looked it up today. They're averaging like 1.16 points per possession out of Jared Allen post-ups. That's like a top 10 mark in the entire NBA. Like he's just been awesome for them. I think he's been their best player. He deserves it. Let me just, can I briefly make the Van Vliet case? Sure. 21 and seven, five rebounds. 44% 44% from the floor, but 40% from three, and almost over half his shots are threes. 48% on twos. He's never been a great two-point shooter. He probably never will be, but that is a career high for him. Leads the league in minutes per game, which goes to your point about with everybody in and out of the lineup. And by sure. the way, Siakam has looked really good since he came back. And that team, as you said, is starting to sort of lean all the way into the you know, for years we've been talking about, like, what if a team just had, like, a bunch of six, eight dudes switching and running around and, like, uh, what the Raptors, like, what, what This what is the closest thing like, to that. that. That's kind of what we're doing other than Fred yeah. Van Vliet. And when Fred's on the bench, that is what we're doing. Um, and, and, and their net rating with Fred on the floor is they are plus six per 100 possessions with Fred Van Vliet on the floor. And without him... Minus 14.6. Now, I don't like to give too, too much credit for net rating situations where the minus when you're on the bench is carrying the net rating to this degree because it really is as much about the backups as it is about you. But plus six on the court is a strong figure. And that other figure is like they'd be dead in the water without him. He's an elite defensive player. A very good to elite defensive player. He does not turn the ball over very much, which, given the load he carries, is, I think, a huge reason why his advanced numbers are crazy. Like, like our 538 system has him as the, there. He's fifth overall in their 
uh, yeah, aptly wow. named Raptor stat. Like, I don't think Fred Van Vliet's that good. But the other advanced, you know, and again, you know that I do all my vorps and schnorps and ipums and bipums for this. Are, are <laughs> His other of those are off the charts, too. So he's in. Allen's in. And then I have one more spot. And I've just sort of TBD'd that spot. You could make an argument for lots and lots. Of, I, don't even, I don't even know who I would give it to now. You, it sounds like, would give it to LaMelo, who's had a very nice season and would be by far <sighs> the most entertaining of all these guys, I think we haven't. I have haven't. Or you're putting a Celtic on, I guess, right? That's your that's your last choice. I, I I would probably I would probably put one of them there. I just don't I don't feel great about it being Tatum. I I just don't. It's I care too much. I've I've noticed this when you and I talk about awards that I I generally care a lot about. Um, and it's not fair to do it for All Star, so I can admit that. But I I generally like to take guys that if their numbers have progressed and they're having a better season than they've had in the past, that it makes it a lot easier and palatable for me to say, take this person. Um, you know, I know it's not a most improved award, but it's, it's tough for me. And I think we're going to see this in the West as well with at least one of the guys we talk about. And to some extent, what, what we didn't talk about with Beal is that uh, when your numbers are down and, and granted Beal has had to have a much different role than he had last season. So I understand that, the context behind that. But it, it just gets tougher for me to kind of wholeheartedly endorse the idea of somebody getting an honor, getting an award when they're having a lesser season uh, than the years prior. Um, but I, you know, part of me feels like if one of those guys makes the team, it's going to be Tatum. And I think that there's a better chance that it's him than uh, than Jalen Brown. But yeah, I'll probably take one of those guys. But it really kills me. Like, like you said, you're not factoring in the, the fact that the game's in Cleveland. I understand that. Garland's had a really nice year I, on a I, team I, that I was standings very, wise. Yeah, I was very surprised. I When I began this, I thought he's definitely going to make my roster. And I feel pretty good about those first 11 guys. Like, I, like again, I know... I know the names of people that leaves off. Like Bradley Beal, I've had on two of my last three All-NBA ballots. Like, I know how good Bradley Beal is. He's also shooting 28% from three this year or something right. like that. Right. Uh, Tatum and Brown, I, I, are we really to the point where those guys are competing for the last spot in the Eastern Conference All-Star team? I, I think I think we might be. And I, I get what you're saying about Tatum, who's averaging 25 a game. Just kind of leaves you cold. Like he's, he's a better passer than Jalen Brown. Probably as good or better as a defender. I don't know. That that's that's in the eye of the beholder. Debatable. A bit. Yeah. But his efficiency stats and his advanced stats, like like Holiday and Van Vliet, lap him in those kind of metrics. And I, I you right. know, I part of that is he's just not shooting. I get it. Leaves you cold. So I feel good about my top eleven. I do. Can I ask you something really quick? And this is something that I guess I'm a reporter. I should know this. Why why does the league leave it at 12 spots when we do this every year? Is it just a, because it's always been that way? Is it prestige thing? Like, is it because we don't want guys that aren't going to get minutes in the All Star game? Why don't we just expand it to 15? Is it is it contract incentives? Like, what is it? I don't know. Probably just because we've always done it that way. I'm torn on it because I like that it's the choices are difficult. And, and okay. I'm not reaching a spot where I'm like, really, that dude's making the all-star team? Like, he's good, but is he, like, all-star good? But also, okay. you get like you get a lot of discussions like this one where I, I could go 15 deep and feel pretty good about it. And sometimes we end up going that deep anyway because of injury replacements. And, and I can see this like being that. a year where we have to do that. Yeah, obviously, with the, with the virus and everything. Yeah. And, let's, and let's face it, there are some guys who 
just may not want to play more than five minutes in the All Star game. Like true. Let's, let's bring on a couple, a couple more. So I have no problem. With, so I'm, I'm leaving my 12th spot in TBD. I'll tell you, you poo pooed him. You poo pooed him, Chris Herring. You poo pooed him, Domantas Sabonis. I know everyone likes to make fun of him as like the worst All Star. The Pacers stink. The Pacers are completely unwatchable. I hate, I hate watch the Pacers. I woke up this morning and I hate watched Cavs Pacers. <laughs> hate watched it. And Sabonis had another great game. His numbers are really good. And uh, I think he clearly is their best player. I understand his defensive limitations. He's just a little below average on that end. But the numbers are what they are, and they're way better with him on the floor. Now, they've been better in the Miles Turner solo minutes for most of the year. But you just, you really just get poo-poo, poo-poo, my guy Sabonis? I I, I normally am a... Pacers lover. I had somebody listen to us podcast once about them a few years ago. They're like, "Are you a Pacers fan?" And I was like, "No, no, I'm not." Um, but I, you know, I enjoy watching the teams that are kind of smaller market. I've learned that I kind of have an affinity just for watching them. Normally, they they've easily been one of the toughest watches for me this year. And obviously, the injuries and the you know the different things they've had. Some of the guys that are fun to watch with them, TJ McConnell not being there, it's just been tougher to watch them, the stuff swirling um, around with them, a lot of close losses that they've had, maybe more than anybody in the league. Um, so I've just really struggled, and maybe it's that that you're hearing come across. It's it's not necessarily him, but, uh, you know, and he's a, he's a giving, fun passer, giving, a very good passer. You're giving I just don't. this to bonus the it's not you, it's me. It's not you. Prob- it's just, probably. It's, it's me. But, I mean, at some point, maybe I would feel less that way if the Pacers would finally say that too and just trade one of those guys. But, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, if, if you want to take them, fine. I, I don't feel strongly, strongly, strongly about it. But no, I just kind of feel like let's reward somebody that's been part of a winning team, a big part of a winning team. The same argument you made, for instance, with uh, Van Vliet. If you look at Garland's numbers, a lot of that is true of him too with the on-off. I think so many of us have kind of – Rightly so, been really enamored by Mobley being the new guy. Jared Allen is probably going to get one of those spots, but you know Garland puts up those same sorts of on-off numbers too, oh, where there's just a big, big difference. Plus, you know, I think they're plus eleven per hundred possessions with him on the floor and minus something, minus something small, right. but still, still minus something. Yeah, and to your point, the Pacers are sort of in this little tier of their own where they're above the Magic and the Pistons and four games below the Hawks and at 14 and 23 if you want to tell me that Sabonis at 18 points 12 rebounds four assists 64 percent shooting on twos is that's not enough to just feel like Ty goes to the team with the better record who's actually playing that's kind of where I'm at for real stakes like I'm fine with that I'm fine with that okay I'm gonna keep my 12th spot I'm gonna keep my 12th spot TBD for now a Garland can certainly play his way in there Beal Mello all that stuff. What, what do you think about Kyle Lowry's um, candidacy? You know, that one was tough for me. I, I sat with that one for a while. Um, I, you know, I, I, here's what I'll say, and I think this gets back to what you were saying before. There's plenty of guys that are deserving. I think that's what this shows, is that you could go in a lot of different directions. I, I think what I sat with for the longest, though, is like I looked at those teams, and remember we were saying that most of these teams could have two guys. Um, certainly the ones that are kind of in those top three, four spots in each conference. To me, I, I kept looking at that and I kept saying this would probably be Bam's spot if uh, you know if he if he was healthy. And that's kind of what a lot of it came down to for me. Yeah, he's missed I, half the season and, and counting. That's the thing. It's not half right. the season and shrinking like it's going to be with some no, of the guys we're talking about ne- next conference. 
It's right. it's half and counting. Right. So I kind of I, I I pretty much in my mind said no on Lowry. Like again, I I I don't think there are many guys on either in either conference that I would say a definitive no to, and I don't think Lowry is one either. He's one that I looked at, but I just kind of feel like there were so many other guards in the conference that I think have had really, really big impacts with their team. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked about Drew. There are so many guys I think you could make the argument that they might be the best player on their team, also that are guards so far, Van Vliet being another. Um, so that was kind of where I fell on that. And I, I, I would probably say no on that one, but I wouldn't argue anybody down. And Lowry's a guy I really enjoy watching playing. So either way, I could understand it. He's got the um, quarterback, always makes the right play, gets them in gear, makes the extra pass, sets the subtle screen, kept them afloat amid injuries to Bam and Butler and even Hero and Tucker have missed some time. He's been their most consistent sort of presence. Um, so eight, eight assists a game, that's one of the best figures of his career. I think it's the second best mark of his career, actually. You're going to hear Heat people make the argument for him, and frankly, they'll probably try to throw Hero into the discussion too, which I don't. I just don't buy an all-star yeah, guy that. making an all-star yeah. team. Um, I, I just would like to see more than 14 a game and 32.6 shooting from three. It, it maybe, but I'm I'm not crossing him out. We got a couple weeks or a week until I got to make my picks. He's going to be, he's going to be in. I'm going to be watching. So you making that argument makes me really curious to move to the other conference. I, I think you can probably tell where I'm going with that. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's macy's.com slash gift finder. All right, let's move to the West, traditionally the harder conference, uh, although this year we have no Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, Zion Williamson, and two of the rising Denver Nuggets who perhaps would have, in an ideal world, emerged as candidates this season. Uh, again, you get 12 spots, not 15, not 18, just 12. We do probably do not need to discuss uh, three starters, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, and Nikola Jokic. Guard, yep. front court, front court, respectively. They are in. Uh, so three spots down, nine to go. I have um, 
seven of those nine somewhere pretty close to locked. I don't know how you want to do this. If you just want to go through who you have locked in besides those first three that I mentioned, or you want to start by saying who you think the third and or the rather the fourth and fifth starters, one guard and one front court player should be in the West. I'll leave that to you. Take. I am struggling. You know, I'll be really honest with you. I've got nine or ten guys that I would either have as locks, which is a really high number. I've got ten locked in. Locked. I I basically got ten locks, but here's my thing. I've only got three guys that I would definitively say for sure these guys are starters, and they're the three that you said. Me too. That's a really weird problem to have. I bet we have the same 10 locks. So why don't we do it this way? We'll alternate naming locks and just check off if we have that person locked in. Let's do it that way then. Okay. My My first of seven following locks, who I would right now pencil in, not pen in, pencil in as the second starting guard in the Western Conference is Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Yeah, he's on. He's on my list too. Obviously. All right. You take the. I don't. So we don't need to make the case. The guy's just been since he's this is the best. Season. Yeah. They're the best offense in the league by a country mile. He's amazing. He deserves an All Star berth. Blah blah blah. Give me your next okay. lock. So that's four. That's four. Uh, eight spots left and six locks between us. Give me your second lock. Uh, okay. So I mean, why don't we just stay on the same wavelength there with that team? I mean, I think you know the the perennial argument debate that people have is which guy's more valuable to the Jazz. Him or Rudy Gobert, you know, and split the baby and say that Gobert is just as valuable, more valuable, whatever. Uh, but, you know, has been the best defensive player in the league now for years. Uh, I think it's very clear that with the team that very easily, you know, if an injury happened to the Warriors or the Suns or both, that, uh, you know, that we could still be looking at the Jazz maybe finishing right at the top of the conference. And they've been essentially step in step with those two teams. So Gobert was another guy that I had as a lock. He's also one of my locks, and I would actually pencil him in right now as the second front court starter in the West. So okay. I would have a starting lineup of Curry, Mitchell, Gobert, LeBron, Jokic. Do I care that there are two centers in the starting lineup? No, I do not. <laughs> right. By the way, Chris, right. you know the best argument for Rudy Gobert to start the All Star game? The very best. It's so persuasive. There's no counter to it. I don't get tired of hearing it from the Jazz broadcast ever. Do you want to know what it is? Screen assist. Screen assist, baby. Every time Rudy <laughs> Gobert sets a pick and Donovan Mitchell crosses like four guys over and Euro steps and makes a lefty layup, I yell out to my computer, screen assist, chalk it up, screen assist. Okay, so so that's two that we've got. Of that, so that gives us five total. Um, you want to okay. go with your next one? Next lock, Chris Paul. Okay, so this is the one that I was bringing up before where you, you – you didn't rule him out because of this. It sounded like you were probably making more of an argument for him than I was, but he's the interesting one because statistically we know what he brings to the table as an assist man. We know what he brings to the table from a steal standpoint. I think he's one of the first guys. If not, he'll, he'll be the first guy to potentially lead the league in both. We know what he brings to the table from a net rating standpoint, which he always does, um, and just how helpful he is to somebody like Aiton getting his numbers and to some extent maybe Booker as well getting his. His numbers are very similar to Lowry's, which is a guy that I think most people probably would look at him and say, okay, well, he's not an all-star because his numbers are only this. And then we look at Chris Paul. For whatever reason, it's interesting. I think people just kind of recognize the recognize the on-court help that he provides. Um but it's interesting because I kind of felt like people were putting him into the MVP conversation last year, despite the fact that statistically he really didn't have MVP level stats. So it is interesting. Like he was one of my locks too, but 
I also looked at Lowry and initially kind of said, oh, these aren't really quite all-star numbers. Uh, so I don't know what it is about Chris Paul as to why we make the exception aside from what I've already said, but I do have him as a lock. I, I, it helps also that Phoenix has been dominant all year. Um, but yes, I have him as a lock as well. Um, I, the, the case is, number one, Phoenix has been arguably the best team in the NBA all year. I mean, I think Golden State has that honor and Utah would be right with them. And Utah right. almost caught them over the weekend. Um, just a little higher scoring volume, um, a little higher two-point scoring volume, a uh, couple more assists per game, better team, has played a little bit more, I think, minutes-wise. And just he's one of those guys that he just – the and Kyle's like this too, although to a lesser extent this year. The advanced stats just jump off the page loving Chris Paul, and I think that's part of it is low turnovers considering the burden he carries. His crunch time scoring is just, yeah. you know, n- n- next level. I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what Heat fans will say. I just think given Phoenix's record, they need to have minimum two All-Stars, and he needs to be one of Agreed. them. So he was, my ne- he was my next lock, and so I leave okay. it to you. I believe by my count we have one, two, three, four locks still left. Yep. Or no, so, yeah, four. I- yep. So again, you know, we we I did this with the Jazz as well. Uh, I, I think there are a handful of teams that just deserve two guys. Uh, I think the West has three teams like that. And I think the East basically had two or three teams like that. Um, so I'll say that you know I think it's pretty clear that I think Booker deserves a spot as well. Um, he's a guy that is doing exactly what he did last year. You know, he missed a little bit of time, but you know I I, I don't think that the Suns are nearly as good as they are without him uh and and also you know i think we'll benefit now from this being an easier decision for him to make the team even when he had these sorts of numbers before and was not getting the benefit of the doubt i think that um you know that now that they've made the finals and now that they've been on the role that they've been on all season that he's a guy that is deserving and i don't think anybody will really bat an eye over at devin booker he's uh, another one of my locks uh 24 5 and 5 a career high 42 percent from deep he's only shooting 47 percent on twos which is bad for him it's actually his lowest scoring average per game since his second season i think he gets a little bit better defensively every year uh what is particularly when he really dials in i just think like we know why phoenix is awesome and and there are lots of reasons why phoenix is awesome but the even monty williams you know would say this on the record in interviews we had a long interview a couple weeks ago like those two guys everything the suns are about on offense, maybe a little bit more than on defense, is flows from what those two guys can do. So right. Devin Booker is in as a lock. Do I get to go now? Sure. Go ahead. Draymond Green. Yep. We don't really need yep. to discuss. Everybody knows what Draymond Green is, right? Like the best defensive player in the NBA. Yes, he's averaging, what, 10 points a game. I don't, I don't even bother looking eight, up eight like, something. His, his scoring numbers. Uh, one of the best passers uh, in the NBA. I – by advanced stats, he kind of ranks somewhat mediocre because I think of a low usage rate and stuff, but I, I don't care. I know what this guy is. I know how important he is to their team. Uh, a big man who can scream and pass like that. And people think, well, you know, there are other big men who can – good, like, short roll passers. The, the, it's the speed with which he makes his plays, the speed with which he makes his decisions, the speed with which he dribbles 
that really makes Draymond. He's just so fast. He makes decisions so fast. There is no stopping. There is no hesitation. And he's the best defense player in the NBA this year. So I, I don't really care about the scoring average. The Warriors absolutely deserve minimum two All-Stars. He's the second one. We agree. Okay. So we got that. Um, so I think this is my last guy that I would consider a lock. Ooh, um, I, have t- I have two left. You Okay, so I've got one guy left, unless maybe I cross somebody out by mistake. But my last lock for now is is Carl Anthony Towns, and I'm hoping that that's one of the ones you had left. Is it? It not? is. It is. Okay. I mean, man, he. he I don't think I, he's a guy that I think basically has been putting up like perennial All Star numbers anyway. Now he's been an All Star twice before, so obviously that suggests that maybe it's not perennial All Star. Um, or that he's not a perennial all-star. But I, I feel like that the Timberwolves deserve a guy. Um, I think that you actually could at least talk about a couple people, but I think that he's been the most consistent of them. Um, that he's been just kind of a beast, really, this year. Uh, that he's shooting a little bit better than he ever has from three. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just think at a certain point, the hope for him was always that he was going to be able to do this year in and year out. But I just think that he's a guy that is going to place himself in that conversation. When you look at it positionally, I don't think that there are many guys at the position that are better than he is. Uh, I just think that in in one case, it happens to be maybe the best player in the world. Uh, but, you know, offensively, I don't know that it gets much better than him. Uh, so he would be a pretty easy pick for me. I'm curious to hear who your other lock is here. Yeah, Kat, Kat's a no-brainer. Um, 25 points a game. Uh, nine rebounds. Would I like him to occasionally box out on defense? Yes, I, it would really help the Timberwolves if they were not the <laughs> rebounding team in the league and Carl Anthony Towns is part of that. But 51% overall, 43% on threes at the volume he shoots. He's completely unstoppable in the post when he's not throwing one-handed, blindfolded, overhead passes to the wrong person or out of bounds. Uh, completely unstoppable. Just an all-time great offensive player. Defensively, he's just okay. And, but they've been pretty sound defensively all season with him on the floor and with you know, a little better with him off the floor. But he, he he's at least – are they getting a little lucky? I think for a lot of the season they got lucky with opponent three-point shooting. But he, it's hard to argue that he is torpedoing a bad defense or something like that. He's easily the best candidate on the Wolves. And like you said, you could make a case for Edwards. I don't think it's particularly convincing. You could make a case for D'Angelo Russell. I don't really think that's particularly convincing. Towns is a no-brainer. I'm telling you, I I can't believe you don't have this next guy locked in. So this so this is probably I'm more almost, of a semantics I'm, I'm almost, thing. Almost I'm almost offended actually. I'm a, I'm a little it's bit offended. It's a semantics offended. thing then. It's it's gonna be back to the if it's who I'm thinking you're gonna say it's it's basically the 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 Tatum argument, but the Western Conference version. Go ahead. Well, I don't. I hope you don't say it to this guy's face that you don't have him on your preliminary All Star team because he's not going to be happy and he's not going to forget. But John ja Morant has to be a Western Conference all-star this oh, year. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, he he, he he left. Remember when I said I might have crossed somebody off by mistake because you and I said initially uh-huh, that uh-huh, we had the 10 uh-huh. guys. I'm trying to save face with John ja Morant. I crossed his name I off have, by mistake. I, got, I see you, I'll, Chris Herring. <laughs> I, I, I have him on my Google Doc here listed as a starter with a question mark. So, I mean, he, oh, okay. so that so makes me feel better because I thought you were talking about someone else. I had him on my list, and I forgot that we hadn't discussed him. I had him listed as a starter preliminarily. And by the way, just to be clear, my locked my order in which I have done these locks is not a ranking of lockedness. They're all locks. They're all in. John Morant has been incredible. 
I don't I, look. They miss. He missed twelve games. They went ten and two without him. We don't need to relitigate that. Um, they faced a lot of opponents who had huge guys injured. Their opponent outside shooting was insanely lucky. John Moran is not a good defensive player. I, I'll say I'll, just like Trey Young, he's not an elite defensive player in this league. <laughs> By the way, we need to ban the phrase "in this league." Like, why do people punctuate everything that you know? He can really, he can really shoot in this league. He's a guy. We all know the league we're talking about. You don't need to say in this league. We're all talking about when you're broadcasting an NBA game. Oh, this guy can really defend in this league. Yeah, I know. We're watching the NBA game anyway. John Morant's an All Star. Period. End of story. Uh, that makes me feel better. I, I thought you were going to argue someone else that you were surprised I didn't have as a lock, uh, but no, Morant absolutely was a lock. I mean. Really, when I looked at it, he, he was the guy that after those first three starters, I actually had him listed as my fourth guy. Like the guy that I would say after those three is maybe if, the guy that deserves want, it the most. If you want to start John Morant, I got no problem with that. I'm taking Donovan Mitchell That's kind of where by, I'm at. by a hair this year. But John okay. Morant is I – mean, he's shooting 40% from three, Chris. Like you, you would say – if you said that before this season that he was going to do that – and we're talking about what the perceived weaknesses of his game are. Obviously, defense is still one of them. But, I mean, the shooting, if it's real, and if he can sustain that, maybe not for the season, but anywhere near that, um, I mean, good luck guarding that guy for the next 15 years if he can he, stay healthy. He can get any shot he wants. He sees every single pass. He doesn't just see every single pass. He creates passes that only he is really envisioning because he'll take a dribble move or a hesitation dribble, or he'll even cut, give and go, all because he knows if I do this, the defense is going to do X, Y, and Z. That guy's going to be open. He is, I've said this before, and it's cliche, and I don't care. Whatever it is, John Morant has it. He has the it factor of NBA stardom. Guys want to play with him. Guys like to play with him. He gets his teammates revved up. He has it. He's an all-star. This is going to be the first of, if you told me right now John Morant's going to be a 12-time NBA All-Star or a 10-time NBA All-Star, I'd say, yeah, sounds completely reasonable. The guy's amazing. Memphis is fourth in the West by uh, a huge margin over fifth. They right. are not even that huge anymore. The Nuggets have crept up a little bit in the loss column. But 23 and 14, just a, a sensational story. John Morant's an All-Star. So we've got 10. 10 out of 12. My math Ooh. says that there are only two spots left on our Western Conference All-Star ballots, and we have not named the following human beings who play basketball at a high level. Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, Anthony Davis, Paul George, let alone other candidates who might merit to look like Mike Conley, DeAndre Ayton, don't laugh at me, Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Ingram, um, and if some people will try to tell you Andrew Wiggins is a no-brainer all-star. Uh, that's not true. Uh, but you can give him a little charity look. But, Shane but, Gilgis uh, Alexander is another guy. SGA I mean, is on my list. De'Aaron Fox was on my list. I've lopped him off my list. Um, yeah. and, and, and there are other guys. I mean, my Western Conference spreadsheet is very long. But, again, 10 guys already. Forget yeah. the guys who are playing all the games or most of the games, and we just named the Conley, Valanciunas, Ingram, Aiton, SGA, blah, blah, blah. Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, Anthony Davis, Paul George. At minimum, two of those guys are not making our fictional 12-man all-star uh, uh, ballots. I think Anthony Davis might be the easiest out just because he's missed 11 games and that number is rising and ongoing, whereas Luka has missed 14, but that number that as a proportional number is now going to shrink. He came back last night almost at a triple-double. 
I don't know what to do with these last two spots, man. I'm leaving them blank for now. I, I don't, but it feels weird to just be like, I just kind of don't think Damian Lillard's an all-star this year. Like, no, I think we to have to that. rip that Band-Aid off. We have to. I mean, I he had a – let's be honest. I mean, he had a really, really slow start. A really slow start. I mean, that, that to say a really slow start does not really do it justice for him, for anybody. It was a real cold start that, I mean, he's only only now starting to kind of get out of. I mean, he had a, a nice little – streak what did he get a player of the week after he came out of the slump a little bit but it was such a slow start and then he also was hurt with the what was it the abdominal strain or he's whatever he missed, had he's only missed six games he's let's just give him his 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 flowers as perk would say right 24 and 7 is nothing to sneeze at in this league chris okay uh but 40 percent shooting overall 32 percent from three he and that's that's rising because you said he was in a deep deep valley of pain yes before and I, I, you know, and I know that injuries in COVID have just ripped that roster apart from CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, on and on. Anthony Simons just came out of protocols, but uh, the Blazers stink. They're 13 and 22. They might be last in defense. I've just stopped. They're, they're, if they're not last today, they'll be last tomorrow and 28th the next day. They just stink. And I'm a Damian Lillard true believer in his leadership and his culture and his play until this season. I just think in this field, I, I, I have a hard time right now giving him one of these last two spots. No, he he wasn't on my team for now. And, uh, I mean, can he go on a run? Yes. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not the end of the world. It, it's unusual to have a guy kind of at this stage in his career. He's not that old yet. I know he's getting up there a little bit now. Um but no, I mean, just statistically, like, I don't think there's a good case there. It would be more of a legacy choice than anything else when you consider some of the other guys. Um, I, so it's it's rough, but at the same time, like, statistically, if his name wasn't Damian Lillard, I don't even think I would have considered him as much as I did. Um, so I, I don't think it's a particularly hard no to say, you know, before I was saying most of these guys you have a good case for. I don't think there's a great case there for him right now. And particularly when you mentioned before about what you said about the Pacers, um, it feels a little bit like that with him, except his numbers, his counting numbers are a little bit better than someone like Sabonis's. But uh, efficiency-wise, it's just not there. It, it also just feels like their entire franchise is unraveling, and he's right. he's not the person to blame for that. If there is a single person to even blame for that, whatever. But like, it's not. It's not. Although the noise about his whatever commitment to the team long term has contributed to it but they they just feel like they're in they're unraveling before our eyes every single night it's hard to just say that guy's an all-star uh it's weird to say that a guy in his what fourth or fifth season would be a legacy choice but Luka Doncic now again I have called on this podcast many times the guy's a genius I mean the guy's an absolute savant he's incredible I thought the Mavs had an outside chance to be like a finals contender this year because he's just so good by himself in the playoffs. 25, eight and a half assists, eight rebounds. Yeah. Okay. That's ridiculous. 45% shooting, 33% on threes. And if you've watched the Mavericks all season, you also know that his defense has been about what it usually is, which is not very good. And that whole team has just been infected with a certain lethargy. Is that how you say? They're lethargic. Yep. A certain leth a certain sloth where it's just like, why is this team 
just stuck in mud. Why is everything so slow? Why does like when Tim Hardaway Jr. has the ball, is Lu- why is Luca like not even on my television screen? Oh, he's loitering near half court. On some of these possessions where they call plays for other people, now you can quibble with Jason Kidd calling a play for literally anyone else but Luka Doncic. When Luka's on the floor, is that a great idea? I, I mean, mathematically, probably not. Um, but on those plays, I mean, Luca might as well just go into the into the stands and order a drink or something. He's just not even doing anything. They are minus 5.4 per 100 possessions with Luca on the floor this season. And when he rests, they are plus 5.9. They have another sneaky all-star candidate on this roster that we haven't talked about yet. But Luca's back. We all know what the guy is. And if there's somebody who in the next 10 to 12 days is going to play his way onto one of these last two spots, and I'm going to have no problem with it, I think it's going to be him, particularly since Paul George has also missed 11 games, and that and that number is going to rise. What did you have to say regarding Luka? Because I, I just think almost by default he's going to get one of my last two spots, but I'm not sure he deserves it right now. No, exactly. I mean, I think it, it – so he was the guy I thought – when when I had forgotten to have Morant in the I, I guess I forgot to mention him before and like I said I basically had him as a starter. I thought you were basically saying I can't believe you don't have Luca as a lock, and that's where I was going to be a little bit surprised that you thought that uh, that he was one. It's really crazy to look at someone who's at twenty five eight and eight and say like again, I'm quick, not sure he's a say lock. that again twenty five eight and eight. There's if we did the basketball referencing where if I wanted to cherry pick a stat and I was like. Blocks greater than 0.5. Steals greater than 1.25. Like, well, there's you only seven players doing that. They would, he would qualify. Right. So that that's kind of where it's difficult for me to leave him off. Um, I certainly noticed the same thing you mentioned about the on-off stuff, which uh, normally when you're talking about kind of a heliocentric guy, to his, you know, of his stature, it's the polar opposite of that. Um, so, you know, it's easy enough to look at a team that, is within striking distance of, you know, of avoiding the plan. Um, you look at something like that and you say, oh, well, Luke is the reason they're even in this. The on-off doesn't necessarily show that. So it's it's tough. And, and you know, and even when he missed time, they were, you know, they were basically winning every other game. So there was a lot borne out by that. But it, it it's still really difficult for me to leave him off. You know, I've, I've mentioned a couple times now, I also just look at guys and kind of like, how well do they seem to fit the format of what we're talking about? I, Luke is a guy I think about watching the All-Star game because of. Um, you know, you you mentioned in a podcast we did years ago about you might not have a better lob thrower in the game than him. Uh, so he would be very fun to watch in that format. We've seen him in it before. I imagine he'll be an All-Star for the rest of his you know career as long as he's healthy, basically. Uh, but this has not been a great year from him, you know, whether it's um, conditioning or anything else or – just attitude or anything else. Uh, I don't think he's a lock, but like you said, I think he probably has the best chance to kind of solidify that case between now and then. I agree with you. And I can hear Blazers fans saying, well, wait a second. We all know our guy's awesome too and has missed fewer games, and our net rating with Dame on the floor is minus 1.8. That's way better than the whatever figure you just threw off for Luka, to which I say – I. Uh, sure, I, I guess. I mean, Luca's shooting a little better. His numbers are a little better, and the Mavs are 500, and the Blazers are a train wreck heading to a, a mountain in front of them that they're about to crash into. So I, you know, I, if Dallas plays well and he plays well, I'm probably giving him one of those last two spots. Uh, 
We haven't mentioned Paul George. We mentioned him as an aside. His shooting is down. He's at 25, 7, and 6. Shooting is down to 42% overall, 32% from three. We know what he does defensively. His missed games number is piling up. You could argue for him. I'll tell you, your old friend, Kristaps Porzingis, does not have a crazy bad case as an all-star. He's had a nice season for them. His advanced numbers are really good. Um I, I'm not really persuaded by it, but you know, I'll, let me look up his numbers now. But he he's got a case in addition to the the pile of guys I named, like the Wiggins, Conleys, the two Pelicans. Aiton, I think, is going to end up being sort of the polarizing figure in this debate, like because he's just been rock solid for them. I think he's at like 18 and 11. Plays really good defense. Does every everything that Aiton was last year that he got praised for. He's even better this year. The Suns are one or two in the NBA. And I can see him being polarizing because in the West, at least, he might be the best candidate out of the Wiggins, Conley, Ayton bucket of which of these three elite teams gets the third all-star. And I could see the other two teams' fan bases being furious that it became Ayton. I don't know who it's going to be, but do any of those names – uh, strike a chord with you as potential last ditch all stars. I had Aiton on my list. I don't think I would take him. Um, which I, you know, I could understand people in Phoenix being a little bit frustrated about that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's tough for me. Um, I, you know, the other names that I had on my list in any capacity, just long list, was uh, we mentioned. Gilgis Alexander. I, I think maybe you mentioned Brandon Ingram earlier. I can't remember. Yep. Both, both, um, both my both the Pels deserve a look. Ingram and Valanciunas. Ingram's been playing great his last ten yeah. games. His I had Dejounte his... Murray on my oh, list. Oh, he's too. on my list. Yeah, um, I apologize. For... You know, he really he's at eighteen, eight and eight, and the, and they can't score when he's off the floor. Though that hasn't been less true in the last two or three weeks. He that's a good. A good thank you for mentioning him because he's on my list. That's a good call. Yeah, I mean, I you know I. I, I, I guess I'll cop out here a little bit. Um, I won't say you copped out before, but the idea that maybe the it maybe it's letting it worth letting it come down to the wire uh, over the next couple of weeks for, for the last spot because I kind of feel like Paul George. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just feel um, it feels like chalk to just put Luca and Paul George into those spots. But I'm not really swayed so much by any one other guy. I think there's a few guys that are kind of in contention for it. I don't think Aiton has made such a strong case. I also think it's difficult to make a really, really strong case when you're on a team where you don't dominate the ball um, in the situation that he does, given Chris Paul and and Devin Booker. But obviously, a really, really important third piece for that team that you know could end up with the best record in the league. So I wouldn't feel super strongly about anybody, but I kind of feel like Paul George and Luca are the two guys. Luca in particular, but Paul George, if he's able to get back at all. Um, that those are maybe the guys that that end up with those spots and kind of are the names that look the most familiar to people where they're not going to argue a whole lot one way or the other for teams that are also in the race. Aiton's at 17 and 11, 64% from the field. Last year he was 14 and 10 and a half, also 64% from the field. He's an iron man. He's missed a few, although he missed, I think he's missed like 10 games this year. Um, I'll just read you Porzingis' numbers just for fun. I don't think Kristaps Porzingis is an all-star, mostly because his three-point shooting has been meh. But 21-8, and eight, 45% overall, 54% on twos. Uh, a, a decent net rating, which you would assume because 
you know, they've survived the Doncic being out minutes. Conley, 14 and 5. The shooting is just crazy good again 47%, 42% from three. I just, it, he's still an okay defense. I don't know if he's, he's an okay defensive player. I just don't ever watch the, I must miss all the games where Mike Conley just looks completely essential to everything that the Jazz are. I just, he he's really good. And in that sense, he's essential because if your third or fourth guy is really, really good, that propels you to this kind of level. But he, it, to me, is just still a distant third behind the first two guys. Wiggins, I, I don't buy, although the numbers are what they are. Maybe I need to give SGA and, and Murray even even deeper looks because those guys are, are playing really good ball um, for teams who aren't aren't good. But without those guys, they'd be really really not good. I don't know who I'm picking. I, mean, I don't know who I'm picking here. I feel pretty. I need good another Luka's, couple weeks with these guys. Yeah, yeah. Luca's going to get that 11 spot. PG is a tough out, man. That it, you know the way he he's propped the Clippers up all season when he's played. That's a tough. I, I again 25 seven and six. I know the shooting has been a little icy. Before he got hurt, his turnovers are up. He's always been a turnover-prone guy when he has to do too much ball handling. That's rough, man. Can we just put Clay in as just an honorary? If, remember the year, didn't they, they put Dirk and Wade? They did it for Wade and, uh, and Dirk, right? So I think I would like to propose, I would like to propose that if we're going to do this honorary whatever thing, right, I think we get Clay in. At least put him in the three-point shooting contest or something. Clay yes. comes in. I, let's put Melo in. Let's get Melo in. It's like, I don't know. I'm, I, I, is Melo retiring? I have no idea. He's playing well. But let's give Melo like a little swan song all-star appearance. Those are my two. Uh, who else should we consider for this? I hadn't thought about it. You put me on the spot. Um, but they did do that, and that gets back a little bit to the question that I asked before. I'm like, what? what the hell prevents us from having – even if it's just 13, even if it's just 14, you know, it seems like they can kind of be fast and loose with that when they want to. Now, granted, again, that was guys that were on their way out, but, you know, I'm not completely convinced that they can't make little tweaks here and there. Maybe they don't have guys that are of that caliber leaving the game this year, but um, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to Conley, see it. I think Conley we'll end up... already got his last year. It wasn't an honorary exactly. one. It was a legit one, but, you know, and right. he's not retiring anytime soon. So that would be – if he hadn't made it last year, that would be sort of the sympathy case. I'm talking more just like would it be fun to have these veteran guys hanging around and Clay, given that we barely – we haven't seen him for so long. We're all hankering for some Clay And Melo just – who doesn't want to see Melo do the three of the dome like 12 times? <laughs> Uh, it should be the Lakers just to make sure he doesn't get hurt in that game. <laughs> I'll tell you this, though. The NBA, I I can't wait to see the fan voting. The NBA has got to be thrilled. that I, I think fan voting is now like 25% or 30%, whatever, some, some not 100% figure. Right. Because by far the funniest outcome is Ben Simmons getting voted into the All-Star game, which has a gazillion retweets now because Clutch – Sports tweets vote NBA All-Star for every single one of their clients, including Ben Simmons. And everyone thought, well, that's really funny and retweeted it. And I think it has like exponentially more Twitter support than any other player in the league. That would be the funniest possible outcome. I might vote Ben Simmons. Maybe I should start a campaign that the media voters should all vote Ben Simmons as an All-Star starter. I don't know that I'm going to participate in that one. But in all seriousness, with him, with Zion, I mean, Kawhi being out this year, I guess you always have some injuries, but as difficult as this is every year, 
And also with guys like Lillard, who as of right now don't really look like they would be all stars or, you know, put themselves in position to be. Uh, think about how much more brutal it becomes if you know if Simmons is playing, if Kawhi is playing, if Zion is playing, uh, to make Kyrie. these choices. It's Kyrie, Chris. Ky- I, I forgot about him. He's coming back. What tomorrow? This week? And um, he might. For so. all I know, he might win the fan vote. I mean, the guy is so crazy popular as a sneaker seller and as, a, as just that people, young people love Kyrie. Kids love Kyrie. Maybe Kyrie and Simmons will both get voted in by the fans. <laughs> Jeez. And, and then they'll rely on everyone else trumping. Do the players still get to vote? I can't remember. I think they are part of the vote, aren't they? Either them, it's coaches. It's it, I don't know. I can't keep up with it anymore. The NBA changes it. They change which positions and how you do the positions. It's all weird. I can't remember anymore. What's your favorite All Star Saturday event? You know what? And, what's, and which dunk, one should and which one should they cut? It's the dunk contest by far. Um, but what I've learned, and I think I learned this last year, really, and I've kind of felt this way for a while, but I really learned it last year. The dunk contest is it's such a blessing to be able to go to the game and do it safely, obviously, when we can. But um, the dunk contest is a lot more fun to watch on television than it is in person because you can't really tell what you've seen for a lot of the best dunks in person. Um, So I used to date someone that would always ask, she's like, I know you've got the All-Star Game stuff that you're at this week, but can you, you know, when when she'd be in town with me for the All-Star Game, she's like, can you stay home for that so we can watch it together so I can understand what I'm seeing? And I'm like, well, it's actually better because of the replays and everything. But that's the best contest to me. I... Look, I don't mind the skills competition. You always have the one guy that tries really hard to win, and they try to not look like they're winning or trying that hard, but they are trying really hard. And then you got the other guys that kind of play it too cool. And I always feel like there's one guy that loses the contest because they're trying to play it a little bit too cool. Um, I, I could kind of do without it, um, you know. But the dunk I mean, contest, I'll let, always be a fan of. Let's be honest. The skills contest really comes down to. Passing through the tire or whatever they pass through, right, <laughs> and, and the three-point shot at the end. All everything else is window dressing. Those are the two things that determine who wins and loses the skill. I don't know how they do it anymore, but I liked the one year there were a bunch of big guys in it, and I liked when it was like big guys versus guards. I want that, and I want them to bring back the, the half-court shooting one when they had the shooting stars contest with the WNBA. Yeah, and they players. had the WNBA guys too, WNBA players as well. I, I used to love that. That one actually was always really fun. Yeah. All right, Chris Herring. We've managed to pick almost full All Star teams. Um, when's your when? What your book is now? I can, people can reg, people can order your book, correct? Oh, they can definitely order it. I, I've seen people posting pictures of it. Somehow they have them already. In some cases, some bookstores have shipped it out early. It comes out on the 18th. But like I said, some people are already getting it. I've seen other people say that somehow they're able to download it already. And I don't know what who who I need to uh, put into a headlock at my publisher to to ask how that's happening but uh but for people that have already ordered thank you so much and for people that are are curious please go order it um me and you are going to do an event i think it's going to be virtual now um on the 19th i think which should be a blast with the strand uh, bookstore in new york but i've read uh, but the thank book you so much i've got it dog-eared i've got it underlined i'm ready to ask some hard-hitting questions if you were a fan of the nba in the 90s or you just are a fan who wants to learn what the nba was like in the 90s this is going to be one of the definitive accounts of that era. The Knicks, uh, as you have said, did not win a title, but they are an iconic team nonetheless, the 90s Knicks. The inside stuff you've got here is just incredible. I can't wait for our event on the 19th. People should buy this book. 
read it. They should just pay you in cash somehow. They should just Venmo you the cash directly for the book. I want you to get all the money. Uh, Chris Herring, uh, your work at SI and on this book is second to none. Thank you for coming on and picking All-Star with me. Thanks, man, for having me on. And thank you for, for doing the event with me. I can't wait. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.